This is a recording of a sermon from Light Church in San Diego, California. For more information, please visit lightsandiego.com. What's up, Light Church? Could I get a pulpit or something like that? My expectations are way too high on tonight, possibly. I have been looking forward to this night for so long. I am such a huge fan of your pastors. Do you guys think that Pastor Ben, uh, Jen, and Benji are just the greatest, or am I the only one? Like, are they not off the charts? Do you know the gift that is in your presence? I lo- Benji and Jen are incredible, and you guys are a part of such a great move of God. I mean that. Like my ex, I'm the guy who always puts way too much expectation and hype on stuff. I'm just like, have you seen that show on Netflix? Oh my God, it'll change your life. Probably won't. <laughs> have you had that new pokey spot? Oh my God, it'll change your life. Probably won't. But I just put, I took my kids to karate for the first time the other day, and like the idea was, hey, you're finally going to get to go to karate when you're old enough, and my two oldest boys were there, and my daughter was there, and like my mom came in from out of town for the first karate lesson, this runs in my family, my, uh, my nephew was there, and like every, the, it was packed, and we're all excited to, to cheer, they had the karate uniforms on, their white karate uniforms on, and I, just the expectation in the room was way too high for, for a karate lesson, and um, <laughs> My, my, my little daughter, who's in the kids' ministry tonight, say a prayer for her. She, she starts getting this look on her face, and my wife looks at her and looks at me, and we're like, no, we just hold her up like Simba. And she just, just throws up all over the seats and the everything. And I'm like, I knew it. I always have expectations that are way too high. I set myself up way too much just to have the night Ruin, but man, I am grateful for a God who we may have the wrong expectations on him, but come on, we can't put too high expectations on God. This is Palm Sunday. Like, this is the one when Jesus comes riding triumphantly, they say, into town on a donkey, and he's doing it, and everyone's expectations are off the charts. They're waving palm branches, right, which is like the national symbol of their country. So they're like, this is like, this is like hey, we want you to be king. They're laying stuff on the ground. They're, sh- they're shouting all these things like, Hosanna, and save us, and like, we want you to be king. We've seen you raise people from the dead. We want you to overthrow the powers, and Jesus heads right into the temple. And everyone's like, oh, my gosh. Their expectations just building and building. Because like, if you're going to take the throne, if you're going to, you know, ra- bring a revolution, you go into the temple. And they get in the temple, and everyone's like, oh, it's coming. It's coming. And he, uh, you know what he does when he gets to the temple? Matthew chapter 21. I was reading it this morning. You know what he does? He goes in there, and he overthrows the tables. He overthrows. There's like, there's, like, cages full of, like, animals that are being let out. And there's, like, coins spilling all over the place. And he's just... He's got a whip. Have you guys read this? It's just scary, man. It's just be a life journal about that sometime. Come on. Just throwing stuff over and just you see that moment and um, their expectations were just wrong. You know, they weren't too high. They're just wrong. I think, and this is what I believe for tonight, and as I was praying for you and just reading Matthew 21 today on my own, I think God would need to do a triumphal entry into our hearts tonight and maybe get some things out of the way. I, I dare you to pray this prayer with me that would invite Jesus to get anything out of the way in our hearts tonight so that Resurrection Sunday, just a few days from now, could be all that he would have in his heart to do. You, can, you cannot overhype Easter, y'all. You can't, oh, you can't put too high expectations on Resurrection Sunday. Do you know how many people are going to be 
at church next week because of your invitation, because they've been watching your life and they've been waiting for you to invite them. Dude, next week you're going to be together in one service at a museum. How cool is Light Church, right? And all these people that you brought and that you love are going to say yes to Jesus. You can't overhype eternity. Come on, they're going to say yes to Jesus. You're having your first baptism service. Come on, how nuts is that going to be? Some of you guys aren't even planning it, but you're going to bring friends next week. Can I preach to you right now? And you're going to wind up baptizing them, and you've never even baptized somebody before. But the power of God's going to be so strong next week, you're going to be like, I guess i got to baptize you because you just got saved. Do you have faith to believe that tonight? Would you bow your head? Would you close your eyes with me? Lord, we pray that you would have a triumphal entry in each one of our hearts right now, that you would overturn the tables, that you would ride into our hearts and you'd say, this doesn't need to be here anymore. This doesn't need to be here anymore. And Lord, I pray that in these next few moments, we would hear what we need to hear, that we would sense the presence of the living God, that you would light us up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's go. Let's go to Luke chapter 5. I'm going to read the story of Jesus and Peter. Actually, it says Simon and um, uh, spoiler alert, Simon's name is changed to Peter later, but you guys probably already knew that because Benji teaches the Bible. Okay, Luke chapter 5, here's Jesus and Simon, one of the first encounters. One day, Jesus was standing by the lake of Jacinarat. The people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats, turn to the person next to you say, two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down, taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered him, Master, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Once upon a time, Jesus, true story, God came to earth, fully man, fully human. Everywhere he goes, his ministry, his life would demand an explanation. Deaf people hearing, blind people seeing. People would gather, they'd travel for days at a time, sometimes without eating, by the thousands to hear Jesus. There's one of these moments, he's at the shore, everyone's gathered around, but they can't hear him anymore because there's too many people. So Jesus looks at Simon and says, can I get in your boat? And we push out a little from the shore, then my voice will be able to carry a little bit better. It'll have like an amphitheater uh, effect, you know, kind of like what you're going to have next week on Easter. And this is going to be this is going to be available for more people. So Simon looks at him and he says, no problem. Here's the thing. Simon has been out all night fishing. Anybody in here ever gone fishing? You know what the best part about fishing is? Catching a fish. These guys out all night, Simon and his crew, how many boats? Two boats. Haven't caught Jack squat. Haven't caught anything. They've been fishing all night. It's the next morning. When you are a fisherman and you don't catch anything, you're not making any money. This was not a good day. This was not a good night for him. Are you guys with me tonight? Everyone's frustrated. Everyone's hangry, right? They're like, I'm hungry. It's been a minute. We didn't make any money. We're tired, and I just want to go home. He's pulling up his boat onto the shore, but before he can get home, he has to pull boats onto the shore. They have to wipe down the boat, because if you leave the boat with water on it, it will corrode or erode or something like that, so you got to wipe the boat down. Then there's all these different nets that they were using. They were using nets like a cast fishing net, and they were using a drag net that goes between the boats. They had to take those nets, and they had to repair all those nets, because they had gotten, they, they no doubt caught on twigs and all that kind of stuff, so they had to repair all these little nets. Then they have to wash those nets 
nets as well because they want to make sure that those are in good shape. Then they have to fold the nets. They have to fold those bad boys so they don't get tangled. This is a process, okay? This is, this is a long process. has to be done before they can go home. Just when he thinks he's done, Jesus is like, hey, can we put the boat back in the water? And Simon's like, of course, you're, you're Jesus. They get in the boat. They go back into the water. Jesus preaches the gospel. Everyone's awesome. But Peter's like, I need to get breakfast. I need to go home. I need to take a nap. I need to figure out how to pay my guys, even though I didn't make any money. And then Jesus goes, hey, what would it look like for you to take that net, that clean one that's been repaired and folded up, and throw that back over the other side into the water? And what does Simon say? What does Simon say? Simon says, <laughs> Simon says what? says, master, been working all night, haven't caught anything, right? Like, I don't know if you know this, but I already folded those things. I already repaired those things. I already washed those things. I already let you in my boat, and I have to wash this thing off, dry this thing off again. Well, how about you just teach the Bible, and I do the, the fishing? And then, and then Jesus gives him that look that Jesus always gives us when we argue with him. Have you ever got that look from the Lord? <laughs> and he's like, really? And he goes, master, but because you say so, which I love. Because my first question is always, why? Anybody else? I'm always like, why? What's the motive? What's the reason? What's the, you know? But the only question more important than why is who? Who's doing the asking? And Jesus goes, hey, it may not make sense. It may not look like what you think, but I want you to do it. And I don't know about you, but that is the story of my life trying to follow Jesus. Anybody else? I don't know why he asked me to do what he does. I don't always understand it. It's illogical. It's counterintuitive. It's backwards half the time to me. But then on the other side, Come on, I see what he told me to do because God is always faithful to give the next step to those that are faithful to complete the last step. Some of us, can I pastor you guys for a second? Can I pastor you? Can I be a surrogate pastor tonight? Some of us, we're like praying and praying and praying and asking God what to do next. And he's like, I already told you what to do. And that's why you're hearing crickets <laughs> because you're asking me and I've already said it. Maybe we should ask the Lord tonight in our triumphal entry in our hearts to maybe in his grace and his mercy to remind us one more time what was that thing he said to do because God wants to speak to you he wants to lead you he wants to guide you he wants you to grow he wants you to succeed he wants you to experience victory but he's faithful to get the next step to those that are faithful for us to complete the last step so Simon's got this opportunity do I obey Jesus or not and this is I think what I think is a lot like surfing I think following Jesus is a lot like surfing any surfers in the house tonight can we talk about how great your pastor is at surfing? Has anybody surfed with this guy? He's incredible. Benji Horning is better than me at everything I've ever tried. How intimidating is this guy? We have a game. I'm not making this up, and I would love for you guys to play this at Light Church. Me and all, we have a bunch of friends, that, but pastors are weirdos, so we all hang out together. And me and all my pastor's friends, we have group texts of just pastors. And we go, how was service tonight? On a scale of one to Benji, how's your church going? <laughs> On a scale of one to Benji, how good of a father are you? On a scale of one to Benji, how's your beard? It doesn't matter what it is. The Benji scale is the, is the thing. And, and he, that, that's what it is. So, so, so Benji and surfing is, is a lot of fun. I think we're going to go tomorrow just so I can be reminded that I live in L.A. and far enough from the beach to never compare myself to you about anything. But when I talk to people in L.A. about surfing and following Jesus, they don't get it, but you guys get it. Here's the thing. Three ways to catch a wave. I'm going to go ahead and give surfing advice, even though this should be your sermon. Number one, if you're going to catch a wave, first of all, you've got to understand, no matter how great of a surfer you are, okay, Kelly Slater, it doesn't matter 
it's all about the wave, but you don't make the wave, God makes the wave. No matter how good you are at surfing, you still depend on the wave that is created by something completely other than yourself, right? There is a creator, and then there's creation. We're creation. The creator creates the wave, and he sends the wave. God sends the wave. You turn to the person next to you and say, God sends the wave. God sends the wave. We can't even surf unless he sends the wave, okay? So can we get that correct? God sends the wave. God sends the wave. And I believe, hear me, that God is sending a wave to your life and to this church. I believe it with all my heart. I wouldn't have missed being with my church today to be with you if I didn't want to drive all the way down here to let you know, hey, I've been praying for you guys. I, I I'm not only have a pastor crush on your pastor, but I believe in that you are in the right place at the right time. This is a great church. This is there, God is sending you a wave. Before you all even had a name called Light Church, I tried to convince Jen and Benji to name it. What did I try to convince it? Tidal Wave Church. Because I was like, man, God is sending you guys a wave, and the wave is going to come in and take out everything the enemy tried to build. Come on. The tidal wave is going to take that out. It's going to flush out all that the enemy is going to frustrate him. And I just believe that this is, this is that Light Church is a better name. But hold on to the metaphor tonight, that God is sending you a wave. And the, even when Benji was talking a minute ago about the things that are going on, and you raised your hand and said, you know, you're in a different place in your journey, man. Some of you guys are exhausted. Can I, can I speak prophetically tonight? Some of you are exhausted. You're worn out. You've been going through a hard time. You've been doing some stuff on your own strength. And I'm here to tell you that God makes waves. God's sending a wave, and he's sending you a wave. And that's coming for you. And our job in order to ride a wave is first, we got to be able to spot a wave. So three ways to catch and ride a wave. Number one, you got to be able to spot a wave. How do, you, how do you spot a wave? Well, if you're walking down PCH or you're walking on the beach or wherever it is, you just look out into the water where the reef break is or whatever it is. You find a bunch of kooks just dressed up like little shark bait swimming around on their boards. And you go, that pile of shark bait over there, those little pretend seals, that's where the wave's going to be. That's why they're all clumped up. In order to spot the wave, listen to me, write this down. In order to spot the wave that God has for you, you got to be around the right people. And you are around the right people. You're already doing this. Will you high-five the person next to you and just say, hey, I want to paddle out with you, bruh. Shaka. Okay? You're in the right spot. You are in a, the right group. You're in the right place at the right time. The wave that comes, listen, I've been following Jesus for like 13 years. Half the time, I don't know what I'm doing. Anybody else with me on that? We, I, have a, I have a saying, man, in my spiritual life, fake it till you make it. You know what I mean? I'm going to figure this thing out. Here's the deal. I'm going to look for people like you, and you're going to look for people like the person next to you. And when that wave comes, you may not recognize it, but everyone kind of turns together and starts paddling out, right? And even if, even if you didn't see the wave coming, you saw everybody else turning their big old boards around, and you all started paddling, right? You're like, oh, yeah, I saw that wave, right? <laughs> you paddle into it. And, man, this coming Easter, man, can I just tell you, it's going to be a wave, man. This Sunday's going to be a wave where God's going to send people into your life. Things are never going to be the same eternally after this Sunday. Things are never going to be the same for this church. And so when the, as the wave comes, number one, you got to see the right people. you got to be around the right people. That's what, that's what Simon Peter did. He invited Jesus into his boat, and the rest was history. He was around the right people. Second thing is you got to be able to catch the wave. And that's that moment when Simon has fa is facing Jesus, and he has to say, am I going to throw my net over the other side or not. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm exhausted. This is inconvenient. This is uncomfortable. This isn't, this isn't my plan. Anybody in church tonight, this doesn't make sense. But because you say so, I'm going to do it. And the rest is history.
It's on the other side of his obedience. It's on the other side of his faith. It's on the other side of that moment that his life is never the same. That's when the wave came. So Simon cast the net on the other side. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. How about this part? When they had done so, verse 6, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. They signaled their partners in the other boats. How many boats were there? Two boats. To come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And Simon Peter saw this. He fell at his knee, Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Jesus looks at that net and he's like, hey, see that net right there? Why don't you throw it on the other side? And Simon's like, come on. I'm the fisherman. You're the rabbi. But because you say so, throws the net over, even though it didn't make sense, even though he didn't want to fold that thing or wash that thing or repair that thing again. And what happens? Immediately, the wave is under the water, and the water starts churning, and the rumbling starts happening, and the fish start coming. Has anybody ever actually met a fish? Have you met a fish? You ever caught a fish, been fishing, seen one in real life? Are they not the freakiest, creepiest looking little demonic things you've ever seen in your life? Ever met a fish? I met a fish one time when I was eight years old. My dad traumatized me half to death. It was a catfish. Still haunts my dreams to this night. Fish look like little dinosaur creatures that are ugly and from the deep, you know? And, and, and I've met one of them still haunts me. Can you imagine being in a boat with so many fish that are coming into the boat that it's actually sinking? Is this not the creepiest, freakiest miracle you've ever read in your life? It's just, there's just 700, I met one fish, scared me out to death, 700 fish are flopping all over Jesus and Peter, the boat's going down, Peter's like, get the other boat, get the other boat, that boat, what happens to the other boat? All the fish jump in that boat too, two boats are sinking, it's just scary, Jesus is just laughing, <laughs> as the boats are just going down, and Simon grabs Jesus' leg, and he's like, it says it fell at his feet. Lord, I'm a sinful man. Make it stop. I don't want to get eaten alive by fish. <laughs> is that not the appropriate response, though? That you are holy, and I am wicked, and you can make waves and send waves and invisible waves, and this is so scary to be in your presence. My expectations are right here, and they should have been right here. I never could have known, but I chose to obey catching a wave I was with somebody recently, and they were going through a really hard time, and they said, well, like they say, God will never give you more than you can handle. And I said, do you serve the same God that I serve? <laughs> My God is, loves giving me more than I can handle. My God is an expert at giving me more than I can handle. My God gets his kicks giving me more than I can handle. There's a God in heaven laughing at me right now because I have more than I can handle. Three kids, I have two church locations, I have a million other things going on. It's all more than I can handle. Anybody living the abundant, spirit-filled life, following Jesus more than 10 minutes, you're going to be welcome to the God. Hi, my name is Jesus. I will give you more than you can handle. This, but how else would we learn the power of God if we didn't need him for strength? How else would we know the grace of God if he wasn't calling us into things that we weren't ready for? 
How else would we learn? How else would we surf on waves that actually demand an explanation if God wasn't sending us waves two foot overhead and saying, you can catch it, you can ride it, I'm sending it for you? Man, what God has for your life is so much more amazing, so much more adventurous, so much more powerful. Man, raise the expectation tonight on your own life because God wants to change the world through your life and nothing less. It is unlimited what God can do through a surrendered life. Man, Light Church, next week's, is gonna, next week's gonna be nuts. And those friends that you've been thinking about inviting, they're gonna say yes. People go to church on Easter even if they, I tell my church all the time, people who hate God go to church on Easter. It's just what we do. We go to church on Easter. We get great hats and we get great dresses and we, get, we just all come together to take great selfies. That's what we do on Easter. And I've been inviting friends all week. Every one of them has said yes. And it's hard to be a pastor and get a friend to come to church, right? It's awkward. And they come to the, the church. And that's going to happen next week. You're going to spot the wave because you're around the right people. You're going to catch the wave because even if you're tired, even if you're hungry, even if it doesn't make sense, you're still going to say yes to Jesus. Give me a nod if you're going to say yes to Jesus. No matter what that looks like, even if it's more, come on, then you can handle and then you're going to ride that bad boy. You're going to ride. Have you ever had, have you ever stood up on a board and felt something bigger than yourself carrying you? Have you ever felt that momentum that can only come from God when he's opening doors and sending that wave that's just for you? Have you ever had the exhilaration of having heaven on your side? Come on. Have you ever felt what it looks like to be weak, but in your weakness, he's strong? Have you ever had a life in total chaos, but somehow you have a supernatural peace because it's God's wave, power, momentum, and you're just holding on, but somehow God saw it coming. I uh, love the moment when Peter's looking at the net full of all those fish, and he's thinking, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. You know, that's a big payday for him. And Jesus looks at him, and he goes, I'm going to teach you how to fish for men if you'll follow me. And it says that Peter left the net and he followed Jesus. Why? Because Jesus' heart is after all those friends of yours and coworkers of yours and neighbors of yours. And he needs a team. He needs some fishermen. He needs some people who will sign up for that. I'll end with this. I, 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 my beautiful wife is here tonight. Can we cheer for her and her beauty? There we go. <laughs> Benji said it good. They're out of our league, Benji. They're out of our league. Our life demands an explanation. <laughs> and um, I got this terrible phone call uh, just a few weeks ago. I was at lunch with someone, and I guess they were trying to get a hold of me, and I couldn't, I didn't answer. And then they just hand me the phone at lunch, and I grab it, and uh, it's my wife's little sister. And she says, Maria's just been in a car wreck. I was on the phone with her. She was going on the freeway. It's raining really hard. She started hydroplaning. She started screaming on the phone, and all I know is the phone shut off. And that's all I heard. She goes, but I know which exit she was at. I drop the phone. I'm in total shock. I run to my car, and I just start jamming. I'm running red lights. I'm driving on the shoulder of the freeway. It's raining. I'm hydroplaning, and I'm just thinking in my head, this is it. But if I can just get there in time, maybe I can hold her in my arms, and she can, I can tell her I love her or whatever it is. I don't know if my kids were in the car when this happened. I don't know anything. And I'm just going as fast as I can, and 
I'm, I'm doing the same thing you are. I'm just crying out to Jesus, just crying out to Jesus. And it takes me 20 minutes, and I'm going around cars, and I, I finally, as I'm getting near the spot, I get a phone call. And it's this number I don't recognize, and there's this lady on the other line, and she's hysterical, and she's like, I'm here with your wife, and she's okay. And I'm like, why are you hysterical? And I said, put her on the phone. And she's like, Maria's like, hi, I'm okay. Um, uh, I'm going to be okay. I'm at this exit, and I'll see you when you get here, but don't worry, I'm okay. And okay, so I... Gratefully, I pull up to the side of the road, and she'd been going down the freeway, hydroplaned. There's this huge wall, um, like mountain of rocks, and she hydroplaned, went into that, and then flipped down that in a minivan, crushed to pieces. 100 feet in front of where she ran into the wall is a 20-story drop-off. And she went up the wall, rolled, and then bam, and then dropped. And she landed right in front, less than 100 feet of this sign on the side of the freeway. The section of the highway where the atheists have united to adopt this section and take care of it for me. That's the drop-off, and that's what her car was facing when she landed. Let's give it up for the atheists united and their <laughs> highway detail. I couldn't make this up. I couldn't make this up. And she's parked there. And I pull up to the ambulance, and then the, the EMT is like, I don't know what to tell you, man. I don't know how she's alive. And they take her to the hospital. She's fine. They let her out. Three days later, that same number calls my phone that was the lady before. And she's like, I want to know if Maria's okay. And she really made an impact. This, this is her words. Really made an impact on my life. I want to talk with her. And so she gets on the phone with Maria, and she says, would it be possible when you're feeling better for me to, like, buy you coffee or lunch or something? I've never stopped thinking about that day. There's things I have a lot of questions. So she has coffee with Maria, and she looks at her. I'm not making, this is her words. This is what she says. I'm still trying to figure out what really happened because what I saw, I don't understand. But what's most remarkable is that I was hysterical, and you were calm. I was losing it, and you had peace. And Maria has never, didn't tell her she was a Christian yet, didn't tell her she was a pastor. She just said, I think what you're trying to describe is the power of God. And this lady starts crying. She says, exactly what I was trying to find language to describe. She goes, you know, I've been in fender benders before and totally lost my mind. But that day, I had the peace of God. And if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. And she led her to Jesus. And she came to church a couple weeks ago. And I'm praying that she gets baptized on Easter next week. Come on, Light Church. If you can't get excited for that, let's get the worship team up here if we can. Listen, God wants to, he wants to take you into something you could never do on your own. But you got to spot it. And you're around the right people. You got to catch it, which is be more, more than you can handle. God's not going to send you a wave that's your size. He's going to send you a wave that's a little bit too big for you because sometimes he needs to show off a little bit with your life. Let me tell you something. God's going to set you up, if you'd be willing tonight, to ask to send you some waves, if you're willing, if you're willing. But let me ask, let me, let me flip this back at you for a second. Maybe it's not a wave that he's sending you, just a wave he's sending you. Maybe he's sending you as a wave. 
And I got friends. You got friends that are praying tonight. God, I need a sign. I have no hope. I have no peace. I feel lost. People go, Justice, why do you call them lost people? I said, because every friend that comes to me who doesn't know Christ literally says, I feel lost. That's why. That's the language they've given me to describe how unanchored, untethered, how drifty and chaotic their life is. And they say, I feel lost. Let me tell you the story of the triumphal entry. When Jesus goes in there to the temple and there's the money changing tables and all that stuff and he knocks that all over. Do you understand that his heart and that aggressive, intense Jesus is because there were layers to the outer court, the inner court, and there was only places that those that were clean or of the faith could get in. And there was an outer court that was prescribed by God, that was mandatory, that was an outer layer in which people who were not Jewish, they were Gentile, or they were seeking God, were allowed to gather. The outer court was the closest someone who was lost could get to the power and the presence of God. That was as far as they could go. But when Jesus got there, the outer court was crowded with money changers and other kind of religious systems and protocols and peoples. And the people that were supposed to be helping them come up to the closest layer were crowding out this important region, the important layer where only lost people could be. I don't know if you're picking up what I'm laying down tonight, guys. But God had to come in there and knock all that stuff out of the way because his desire is that none should perish and all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we're the ones standing in the way. Sometimes we're the ones standing in the way. And yet God's plan for this Sunday, this Easter, his big day, the day he flexes the resurrection power that has saved us and is for every man, woman, child who would say yes to Jesus, be redeemed and set free. That day, God's sending you as a wave into these people's lives for you to carry them in on Easter, for you to carry them toward Jesus. Man, I don't know if you're picking up what I'm laying down right now, but we got to Give our hearts to Jesus tonight so that this is the most important moment. That this week we are able to hear and see the faces that God has said, you're going to stand before me later and answer for that coworker and that auntie and that neighbor. Will you stand to your feet? Can we be people tonight that are fully surrendered to God? tearing out and knocking down some stuff that's in the way of our heart so that he could speak to us. And would you take those invite cards? Come on, would you take these invite cards? Would you grab them? Would you hold them up? If you have the faith to invite friends to this Easter, people are going to say yes. Will you hold them up as a declaration of your faith? I will do this. I will invite friends. And when you put the other hand over your heart, because that's where this starts. Lord, we come to you tonight, and we ask that you would triumphantly enter into our hearts, that you would crush our egos, that you would remove our vanity, that you would clear out house, that you'd clean house on our hearts tonight. 
that you'd heal our insecurities, you'd rebuke our pride, and you'd give a grace and a momentum. Lord, would you not only send us a wave, but would you send us as a wave to the hurting and lost people of this city? Will you send us to the rejected, the outcast, the broken, and may they see that you are the resurrected king, you are the true and living God, and that if you could do it for us, you could do it for them. In Jesus' name, we pray. Come on, let's worship.